0: Welcome to episode zero of Shebrews Hebrews, a Jewish fermenting podcast where we hope to discuss all things homebrewing and fermentation, both biblical and modern, from a Jewish perspective, including beers, meads, ciders, breads, pickles, cheeses, and much, much more. I'm your host, Evan Harris, and with me today is my co host, Allison Shea. Hi there. Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty well. So this is episode zero because, of course, we have to start properly with zero.
1: That's how things are numbered.
0: (laughs) We are both engineers. Things are numbered starting with zero. Today, we're going to try and introduce the podcast. And so let's just start by both introducing ourselves.
1: I am Allison. As previously mentioned, I am a longtime baker since I was a little kid grew up in a household with a lot of allergies so had to learn how to work around things make things from scratch a lot of the time and as I got older I started making more and more things from scratch just for fun because it's interesting because kitchen science is cool and sometimes you end up with cookies and that turned into me making a lot of breads I've made all sorts of breads and other yeasted doughs been doing that for a long time and as the pandemic started i started attempting some cheese making i've done miscellaneous cheese making in the past just ricotta and and paneer but trying a few new things as it was going on making some lactic acid starters did not go well (laughs) but a story for another Uh, time Uh, uh, our
0: failures are part of the podcast as well
1: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) We've made the failures, so hopefully our listeners can learn.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely avoid our mistakes, folks. Uh, But as I was working on the cheese making and and more and more bread making, Evan and I started talking about his homebrewing, and I thought it sounded rad. I'm about to start my fourth batch of homebrew and getting the hang of how this works. So Evan has been very much teaching me a lot of the ways of homebrewing as I learn the ropes on this.
0: Yeah. How do you get into this? So I've been homebrewing since about 2014. A friend of, while I was in undergrad, a friend of mine from rowing taught me how to homebrew. He's a chemical engineer and his family grow their own hops, in fact. So his family homebrews and he was really useful and taught me how to start homebrewing because I learned from him that he was homebrewing. Somewhat on the side though, my father actually homebrewed when it was first legal while he was in college, but stopped when my sister and I were little kids. So I didn't pick it up until I was in college, but my father and I have brewed together, which is a very fun activity, I think. I've not done as much yeasted breads and doughs or cheeses, but I I want to get better at all of them. And I've never done pickles and such, which are another type of fermentation. So we hope to cover all of them. Both of us, obviously, are engineers, as we've said. In undergrad, I also minored in history. So I I find the history of all of these items really interesting. And, of course, in the uh, Tanakh, there's a huge history of various fermented products. Obviously, wine. We have Yiddish. But there's also archaeological records. And both of them say a lot of really interesting things that I hope to discuss more.
1: And even just your modern Jewish foods that we're really familiar with, you go through them and how many of those are pickled. Pickles are a common Jewish food. That is yep. pickled herring, just pickled fishes, with pickled vegetables, pickled meats, yeah. pickled corned beef. Yeah. They're super, super common, and it's not something that's often thought about as as like an an ancient and storied.
0: It's thing. not yogurt. Yogurt and not pickled, but fermented.
1: <laughs> yeah, yogurt's uh, that a fun is, one to make.
0: I, I've not made it, but I want to try.
1: It's real easy.
0: Yeah, Really it,
1: easy, fun fermentation that like also introduces you to a bunch of different baking principles. Yeah. Scalding milk, for example, mm-hmm. just all part of a, the really simple fermentation process of yogurt. Yeah.
0: So a lot of these are ancient techniques, so don't be afraid of trying them. If humanity has managed to do this for several thousand years, most home cooks can do it.
1: If humanity has managed to do it for thousands of years and not died from it?
0: <laughs> yeah, there there are some fermented things which yeah. I'm not such a fan of though, but I don't think we're going to be trying to make natto. Are you familiar with that?
1: No. But I so, have heard about garlic fermentations that, gone, that have gone really badly.
0: And most of the garlic issues I've heard of were <laughs> with, bot- with botulism. But natto, it's not Jewish, it is a Japanese delicacy that is fermented red beans, but it has the texture of snot. For How the listeners at home, the, <laughs> we will not be trying that. But for the listeners at home, Allison has a absolutely disgusted <laughs> look on her face. I've been, been fortunate to visit Japan, and I've tried it because I'm willing to try it once and never again. It is one of the worst items I've ever had. That one? We will. Sake, though, we might try that.
1: Oh, yeah. I like a nice sake. i Sa- will be down to try that.
0: Sake is interesting, yet different fermentation. But we'll get to that in a later episode. So what are you eating and drinking today?
1: So today I have a batch of pomegranate orange wine fermented to 11.2% ABV. That's alcohol by volume. It's a 50-50 blend of orange juice and pomegranate juice with honey as the sweetening agent for fermentation. It, It tasted pretty good before it went in the carboy and it's fine now, but... One of the things that you have to be prepared for when mixing two really strong fruit juices like pomegranate and orange is, A, you're going to end up with something really acidic. And Mm -hmm. B, the flavor balance, once the sugars are gone, is going to be completely different. So I was not expecting this to be nearly as orange heavy. That's Mm. really the dominant flavor here. And there's pomegranate going on, but really not the dominance is really the orange and when it first came out of the carboy tasted it right out of the siphon well not directly out of the, <laughs> the siphon but tasted it right away and oh boy not very palatable at all just really strong and acidic and now it's been fermenting for about a month it's been bottled and and just aging for about a month and if you add a dollop of honey in there it's mm. pleasant I, that sounds bad i wouldn't it's just it's come out rather than being really assertive and aggressive now it's a really just like a pleasant and fruity drink for a hot day
0: interesting no. sounds tasty and at least i don't know about by you but the weather by me has been quite warm so it's been
1: real toasty i also made up macarons last week like french macarons mm-hmm. with uh rose water in the cookies and filled with raspberry jam that sounds Um, good yeah which is a not fermentation related but a fun baking trick uh, that i've learned over the years for uh, getting a meringue to stick humid weather (laughs) is just a little bit of cream of tartar and i've had no problem so fantastic macarons
0: Yeah, that is a tip I will have to try. Right now, I'm drinking just some cider that I made, as I'm sure we will discuss plenty of times. Cider is one of the easiest things to brew at home. This actually, I found a bottle that I made in 2018, so it's been aging, and it's quite nice. A lot of fruity notes, a little bit of tartness, very sharp flavor still. If you, when it's in season, apple juice, especially if you live in roughly the Midwest, where apples grow... In abundance, getting a gallon of cider from the farmer's market, you can make all sorts of fun stuff with it, which I'm sure we'll talk about plenty. But one of the things, given this is our introductory episode, the pilot as it were, we wanted to talk about some of the goals of the podcast. The biggest one, of course, is to share the brewing and fermenting knowledge that we have.
1: Given that we are coming from different ends of this, Evan is an experienced brewer. I am a novice brewer and working through new things, always learning new things with each batch, but I'm much more experienced with breads and some other types of fermentation. We're learning from different directions on this. So there's always uh, different things going back and forth. We're always bouncing ideas off of each yeah, other.
0: I'll always uh, bouncing ideas off each other. And one of the things that caused us to start this is there are at least two distinct jewish drinking podcasts but nothing about making um these products there is uh, the jewish drinking podcast and there's drinking and drashing both of which i find interesting at least
1: future guests maybe
0: it, i would love to have them as future guests we have a lot of ideas for guests we'd love to talk with rabbis who do kashrut we'd love to talk with people who actually run delis and kosher bakeries, kosher winemakers, distillers. I definitely know I can get for an interview a non-Jewish distiller, as I've done some work. I have a lot of experience with distillation, working with a distiller. I cannot distill. It's against the law in the United States to distill at home side
1: note we, yeah, should, as maybe a side note, we should say
0: we, we, we should say this one of the things we want to make clear and we'll probably make sure to say this a lot is that you should be drinking and consuming in general responsibly
1: also be aware of your local laws we are in the united states evan and i are located in different states so we have different local fermentation laws which we have checked ahead of time to make sure that everything that we're working on is fully legal no issues be aware that wherever you are it's going to vary whether you're inside the states or outside the states what states you're in how much you're making what types of techniques you can do there's there are limitations
0: Correct. There are great resources, which I will try and put in the show notes, like the American Homebrewers Association and Homebrewing Academy, which can help you find your relevant laws within the United States. In general, these are general laws, a lot of which are based around the federal ones. In general, brewing is legal. It has been legal since the Carter administration. And in general, you can produce up to 100 gallons per year per adult over 21 in the household.
1: I don't think anybody's going to get there on yes. a regular basis or just as a home brewer in general just
0: If you're managing to produce and consume that much by yourself or in a like small to direct group
1: you to alcoholics anonymous.
0: Yes, I would suggest that you seek professional help for your own health more than anything else. Because we uh, staying healthy is the num- is above anything else that we're doing, but and drinking responsibly is part of staying healthy. But in the right quantities, all of these things are enjoyable, and based on a lot of recent studies, moderate amounts of alcohol can be good for your health, both physical and mental. One of the other things is that we're both uh, academically curious, I would say.
1: I would agree with um, that statement.
0: <laughs> given between the two of us, we so far have four degrees.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and presumably some more down the road not for me not for me i'm done
0: i'm hoping i only need i'm hoping i only need one more
1: (laughs) fingers crossed
0: yeah but we like learning new things and both by and by sharing those things with each other and with your listener we get to learn more and figure out what we're talking about
1: at least as engineers we're basically just doing science that we can eat here (laughs)
0: Yeah, with science, we can eat and drink.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about baking is that, as opposed to cooking, which is more about being creative about things, when it's. Baking is very scientific, even though you end up with a fluffy cake, but you've got your tougheners and your softeners and your structure and your fats. And everything's coming together in different ways to make a chemical reaction. Yeah. And that's and all we're doing here. We're making tasty chemical reactions. Ab- Sciencing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. As I said, the, the friend who taught me how to homebrew is a chemical engineer. And so these, this is chemistry, but chemistry and biochemistry. It's, but fermentation is a biochemical reaction, to be technical. It is tasty science. And hopefully, we can inspire some of you to see it that way and try things yourselves.
1: There is definitely occasionally f- physics involved. I. Let's just say. If you think carbonation hasn't worked, you should behave as if the carbonation has worked, or else. Just don't shake things.
0: <laughs> just yeah. don't shake um, things. Speaking of that, I'm going to jump a little <laughs> out of order in the show notes. Why don't you try opening that link in the show notes?
1: Oh, no. Should I worry? <laughs>
0: Maybe. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners at home, and the link will be in the show notes, this is, I found it on the Reddit Mead uh, subreddit. And there are a lot of great homebrewing subreddits for all sorts of potent potables. There's also is,
1: some great Facebook groups. There are some good Facebook groups in? as well.
0: I need to join more of the Facebook groups. I'm on some slacks and I'll subreddits. Yeah, please do. But it's a barrel that has clearly started come. Refermenting and the bung on the barrel which is the hole you fill through the plug on that is popped and there's just a geyser of meat of wine spewing out of this barrel which is uh science and physics
1: yeah my personal experience with this one is something it happened just yesterday with uh, this exact batch we thought so this tastes a little bit like a like a screwdriver just mm-hmm. straight up that's what the flavor is which is yeah. a little interesting it's not yeah, I'm pointing to my pomegranate orange wine here. It's got a distinctly screwdriveriness to it, and I'm not really sure why. There's no vodka involved here. The orange juice, I guess.
0: The, the orange juice and vodka, by law, is supposed to be flavorless, so you're tasting the alcohol.
1: Yeah, but it really, <laughs> <laughs> if you, if somebody were two glasses in and you swapped this in, they probably wouldn't notice. Just that kind of vibe to it. I use these one liter bottles, which depending on how, nine to 15 tabs of sugar, depending on how strong I want the carbonation to be. I wasn't sure how this was going to be. So I added three to a couple of my bottles, labeled them. Clearly not large enough because I didn't notice it when I poured a bottle out into a carafe yesterday, added some ice and honey and started to shake it up. I think you can guess where this is going yep. <laughs> because the lid went flying off, and Aww. I ended up covered in <laughs> in wine. yeah, it's if you taste it, it's totally flat. There's no evidence of fizz when you actually look at it. Mm-hmm. But when you actually shake it up with some honey, all of the sudden, there is certainly uh, carbon dioxide.
0: Yeah, in Yeah, I last week also had my first bottle pop a cork. I've never had a bottle bomb, which is a bottle that actually explodes, but I've had a bottle pop a cork because my AC was broken, and just whether it was over, slightly overfilled and there wasn't enough air or whatever, it expanded enough cork blew out of a of a mead that's really good. I'm sad I lost a bottle because they don't. That yeast was a limited edition. I still have most of a case left and saved most of the bottle. So it's in my fridge now. That's good. But it's a really interesting yeast. Um, Just
1: a general reminder here. We are not professionals at this. (laughs) We are are (laughs) amateurs. Evan is experienced at this. I am a beginner at this, but we have no degrees in this. We have not studied this in an academic setting in any way. We have not been apprenticed in this. We're doing this stuff for fun. I call it my closet hooch because I have a fermentation unit in my closet.
0: Yeah, so well, we're- we're not, we are not—we are knowledgeable. We are not experts, at least not yet in this. We hope to learn more as we're talking Some about. they may the, be
1: experts, hopefully.
0: Theoretically, we're talking about the goals of the podcast. <laughs> um, tangents, I'm sure, but knowing both of us, there are several things which there will be plenty of. Tangents and puns. Oh, yeah. But as we've tangented several times, we're going to talk about our various experiments and things we've learned from them and what has and hasn't worked. Be careful about carbonation in bottles if you're using it to mix it up. Don't do that. Yeah. So also what you were mentioning earlier, tabs, a lot of of homebrew shops sell what mine at least calls fizz drops, which you can add to bottles, and they're pre-measured sugar for carbonation.
1: Handy-dandy. Uh, you don't handy want to be dandy. measuring that stuff out by yourself. Also, there are certain ingredients that are used in brewing that aren't really used in other places. There are terms that I have come across a couple of times that are used in different contexts in, fermentation, in different types of fermentation. So that's something to always be on the lookout. Make sure that any equipment you're getting or special ingredients are specific to brewing as opposed to something else you don't want (laughs) to one fun example that Evan and I have come across recently is if somebody tells you you need pectin for something pectin is a common ingredient for canning which is something that I work with I work with a lot of canners some scientists who work with canners engineers who work with canning I personally am not familiar with it but there's a lot of pectin around in my workspace and i said great i'm gonna get some pectin from them to do this brewing experiment i want to try as it turns out i did not try this because i did some research beforehand and it turns out the brewing pectin and canning pectin are very different things
0: They're they're in fact opposites canning pectin is pectin itself it is it will make things gel Instead, together brewing pectin is pectic enzyme which breaks it apart and it is useful quick brewing tip it is useful if you're ever brewing with juices that are thicker or have particulate in them you add a little bit of pectin at the start just so it works its magic while it's brewing and all of the solids will fall out and you'll get a clear drink
1: so just keep an eye on those things if there's anything specialty yes. something what was it there oh I, I got some questions from someone about yeast. Brewers, there are different types of yeast. Brewers' yeasts, champagne yeasts, yeah. cider yeasts. They taste different. They are very different from bread yeast. We have a sour... My roommate and I have a sourdough starter, which technically, yes, there are types of beer that use sourdough starters, but... <laughs> Actually.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you can brew with bacon yeast. However, and baking yeast is, in fact, cheaper than brewing yeast but not significantly and they just um,
1: have different effects to it so to they have different degree. effects
0: with a known brewing yeast you can design what effects you want to flavor that's why there's so many varieties and when i'm talking it's more expensive i'm talking three dollars a packet for five gallons i'm at the low end ten at the high end
1: but also a being careful with the yeast that you use just in general is something that's, it, it's something that I think is nice. My first yeast that I ever tried brewing with was, I was told it was called a cider yeast. Now that I've tried it, I believe it's certainly more of a beer brewing yeah. yeast because the flavor and the smell that comes out of it is very distinctly similar to something that would come out of a beer and not something you would expect out of a cider. Yeah.
0: So speaking of some of our recent brewing days, did you, you started a new brew today, didn't you?
1: I was going to start a new brew today. <laughs> you you <are. laughs> Well,
0: and, and we're doing and, this.
1: Yeah. Also, I didn't have enough honey. Well, so. why
0: don't you tell us about what you are going to make?
1: Okay, hopefully once I get to the store tomorrow, the plan is to make a, I can say this, I definitely am going to figure out how to say this. Methaglin. 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 I'm going to make a methaglin. A methaglin is a, so there are different types of meads depending on what you're adding to it.
0: So Methadlin is with fruit juice. (laughs) This is I know just a little. So Mead has a lot of interesting names for things. So like in beers which most people are more familiar Mm -hmm. with you've got your porters, your stouts your ales, which technically the first two are part of. Your IPAs your red ales, your Irish stouts and all sorts of other things which are based on the style. Mead because it's almost all honey. Instead if you mix something into it you get a different name for it. And there are a lot of fun names. Methaglen is one of them.
1: I guess technically what I'll be making would be a combination of a methaglen and a melomel. I just finished brewing, or I just recently bottled a batch of melomel means it has fruit in it. Uh, A methaglen has spices or herbs in it. So when I'm, my batch of melomel is pomegranate mead instead of using water I used pomegranate juice as the liquid. That's aging right now. But initial tastes out of the carboy were very tasty and very alcoholic. So, so uh, we're at 16% ABV ooh. on that guy. Yeah. Yum. The methaglen that I was planning to start today and is going to have to be tomorrow once I get enough honey to do this is going to be lemon and rosemary, which is a really old and really classic recipe there are recipes dating to the 1600s for lemon rosemary mead, so it's a fun yep.
0: and an old school method. Yeah, so mead, so uh, a slight aside again, we're gonna have plenty of tangents. Yeah. Is that mead <laughs> is probably uh, mead and cider, in my opinion, are the two easiest things to brew at home. Mead is one of the mo- one of the oldest, if not the oldest, fermented beverage in the world, based on the archaeological record. Though beer dates to around the same time period
1: one thing i want to note real quick i seeing as this is a jewish podcast something that may show up a couple times here i keep kosher
0: uh, i do not
1: (laughs) but also i have i did grow up in a household with a lot of allergies so that is something that's on my mind but also my original batch of cider i finished and bottled and aged in time for Passover. And given that all of my equipment was new and clean and everything I used was special for this, everything was considered kosher for Passover. I confirmed with a rabbi that everything was good to go and kosher for Passover. And that is something that I intend to maintain. So that is probably something that will factor into some of my decisions involving involving yeasts that I'll use or ingredients and mm-hmm. methods that I'll try.
0: Yeah, no, that That is a very pertinent fact. But you also don't happen to like beer, if I recall.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That, so that, I mean, ma- that helps.
0: <laughs> that, that, makes it, that does make it a lot easier, because the only thing which you theoretically would... Could be fermenting. Otherwise, that would be more complex with kosher laws, as I'm remembering them offhand. Would be wine,
1: wine, and also there are certain types. Because again, we have a my roommate and I have a sourdough starter.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, true. If you use that, would be a problem.
1: Yeah. So I'm not going to use the sourdough starter to make any home brews. I might, I might get some real small, like pickling jars.
0: But I've got an idea that stuff. we that will. I have an idea for that. That we can discuss in the next episode. How about that? Good to me. The basic next episode. I want to give you a basic recipe for give all of our listeners a basic recipe for how to get started with home brewing with minimal equipment. Next episode in about two weeks, hopefully. We can <laughs> uh, give you that that. But. So my most recent brew day, I started this a few days ago. Is also using an interesting yeast called, which is a Norwegian farmhouse yeast. Uh,
1: what makes that different than a standard yeast? Just where, being from Norway, pretty or much. Being yeah, from a farmhouse in Norway.
0: Uh, so made. So the yeast manufacturers go around the world to traditional um, brewers and and culture the yeasts. So champagne yeasts cultured from. Champagne g- grapes and certified kosher, etc. Beer, various beer yeasts are from various traditional breweries that have col- started their own cultures. And these yeast manufacturers replicate them. So Kvike is the yeast that is generated from Norwegian. I should say Scandinavian, but mostly Norway in this case. Farmhouse ale. ferment; It can ferment very hot temperatures. My AC was broken when I started this batch. <laughs> so it can ferment up to 92 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, jeepers. Most of the time, you want to keep your brews in 70 or below. Not really quite that cold, but a lot of yeasts, especially ale and lager yeasts. Lager yeast likes to be cold. A little bit um,
1: different from, from a bread yeast where the well, sweet spot is in the low 80s.
0: So the reason behind that is with yeast, with brewing yeast, you are wanting bread yeast. A lot of the flavors from the yeast don't stay in the bread. So you just want it to ferment faster. With brewing yeast, because it's going to take longer, you want to give it that time, slow and steady, to develop the right character that you want. So kvike can generate a lot of floral and fruity notes in something that has no fruit or flower. So I have a kvike mead that I did a a year ago that is delicious. It's got all these complex fruity notes in it. And all that's in Mm -hmm. it is yeast, water, and honey. That's it. It's amazing. Rad. So you should double check that the yeast is in fat, would in fact be good for you or use another vessel. But they are. The Trevike yeast is a really fun thing. It also ferments fast. It ferments strong and fast. So that is one thing. But your next batch, you're, you're going to be using champagne yeast, are you not?
1: Yes. I just got some champagne yeast in. Uh, I'm excited to try that out with the lemon uh, rosemary.
0: Is it the Lavalin? EC yeah. 1118? Yes. Okay, that is a great yeast to start. I would not recommend starting with something like your Kvike to any of our listeners, but I, like, I've like i used the Kvike because I have a decent amount of experience now. I think you should start with, get an idea of brewing with these simple, clean yeasts. So most of those are wine-based. Uh, your your, They're red wine. Lavelin makes a ton. The uh, Quebecois Company, they make a ton of stuff. If you have a local homebrew store, they are... We'll almost always have either Lavalin and or Red Star, both of whom make good yeasts. There are a lot of liquid yeasts. Liquid yeasts are more expensive, so don't start with them. Start with the cheaper dry yeast.
1: So my first was Cider House Select Yeast, which did a good job at brewing. It was fairly fast. The one thing that I noted about it is that, again, along with a distinctly beery yeastiness to it, it really is something that I think would go fantastically in a beer, but it doesn't go as well with a fruit wine. But also, some yeasts are going to produce certain smells. Yeah, it's so- not really a smell. I don't know if you would call it a smell. So much as it seems like my carboy is farting, it just has that stale air quality. It's I know not what you like mean. A It's a just- smell. It's just like a kind of farty quality well
0: effectively it is because the byproduct of fermentation is co2 so so it totally. it's effectively um, stale air
1: yeah it doesn't really make my closet smell like no <laughs> it's not the greatest i did a great job i've got some fir- fantastic brews out of it that i'm really happy with but definitely need to air out the closet <laughs> <laughs>
0: In general, I probably would suggest avoiding anything that's specifically a cider or mead yeast, because most of the time, they, it's nothing special, and you can do as well with a champagne yeast or a general purpose wine yeast like D47, also from Lavalin.
1: Basically, Evan says, just use Lavalin. This is not The
0: Lavalin, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast. Mine. We wouldn't mind that. But no, Lavalin made... There are a lot of good yeast producers, which I'm sure we'll touch on more. But Lavalin's <laughs> a big one. Why Yeast, White Labs, and Omega all make liquid yeast and are very good. If you have a local homebrew store, I highly recommend you use them. Uh, also, if,
1: if you have a local homebrew store, I would highly recommend going in. I go to my local homebrew store pretty regularly. And everybody there is very knowledgeable and very willing to, if you ask them for advice on something, they're very familiar with what's going on and usually have some really helpful advice. Whether it's picking out equipment or figuring out something about the next batch or figuring out what's going on. They've seen everything in those homebrew stores.
0: <laughs> I've managed to come up with some questions that they hadn't heard before. But yeah, you're a little who more t-
1: advanced than me. At the-
0: <laughs> yes, but the, the people who tend to work in your local homebrew store, Are very knowledgeable and very nice. I've not had a bad experience in one.
1: Maybe you'll bump into a fellow homebrewer.
0: Yeah, maybe you'll bump into a fellow homebrewer. What's up with them? There are homebrew clubs that exist. I've not managed to make it to any meeting of any of them that I know about. Yes, if you've not yet been vaccinated and you're in the United States, please go and get vaccinated as long as you are eligible and it's safe for you to do. Everybody
1: Uh, is eligible at this point.
0: If you are under 12 and (laughs) listening to this podcast, please reconsider. Actually, or talk to your parents.
1: Maybe we should start with if you're under like 18 and listening to this podcast, maybe don't. Yeah, maybe wait the, a few years. Yeah, all,
0: they can listen to our anything our discussions on baking, but it is US also, federal law that if you are under 21, you cannot have anything that is over half a percent alcohol.
1: With the caveat that it is permitted for sacrificial purposes.
0: That, that so is true. if you're
1: having a drink of Kiddish wine, nobody's going to yell at you. It's fine.
0: <laughs> that, that is true. Kiddish, and that actually.
1: But please don't let it be Manischewitz.
0: <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. There's a lot of interesting history around that law, actually. That is another thing we hope to discuss in a future episode.
1: It was real popular to be religious during prohibition
0: (laughs) there were a lot of rabbis in quotation marks during prohibition from 1920 to 1933 in the united states and it is a really fascinating historical subject but yeah there were a lot of fake rabbis in that time frame which is a whole which will hopefully be a whole episode on itself the history of prohibition and the jews
1: where we will definitely not talk about recipes for bathtub june no because that is definitely illegal in the united states
0: home distillation of any kind is illegal on the federal level but is civil law Uh, so if you happen to live on a and be a member of a native american tribe your laws may vary otherwise you are not allowed to to be (laughs) distilling at home in the united states if you're in new zealand you can
1: also, maybe just don't tell us.
0: Yes, please we don't tell us if you're distilling you at home.
1: for anything you're please. doing at home.
0: We're please talking not about our about own
1: experiences about... and not giving advice to anybody well, to if you, do anything if, illegal.
0: Yes, if you follow our advice on a home cider or mead, we'd love to hear how it came out. But please don't tell us if you've been violating federal law. I at least like following the rules, but they make my life simpler. <laughs> uh, someplace where my li- a simple life is fine.
1: just not gonna ask
0: yeah we're, um, we're, we're not just bad. not
1: gonna ask yeah. have a good time don't but, hurt anybody
0: but, but something we will drink ask responsibly for, <laughs> yes please drink responsibly <laughs> but something we will ask for is feedback and what do you want to know about for, about about homebrewing and both from a jewish perspective and just in general uh history about fermentation any of that what do you want to know
1: if you have any really wacky ideas also of things that you think would be interesting to taste or try making Just let us know, because again, we're doing this for fun, because it's fun to experiment and it's fun to try new things. We're always, or at least I'm always, looking for new suggestions of things to try and things to try to ferment.
0: I've got a few challenges for you, so don't worry.
1: Ooh, what you got?
0: People will have to wait. dang it. (laughs) Don't worry. Well, a few of them are seasonal, so that's the problem.
1: Okay, if you've got anything that's like regional to me down in the Carolinas over here. Uh, I can come up I'm, with something.
0: I, I yeah. can definitely come up with an idea.
1: I really want to s- try and find some good native fruits to try out.
0: Yeah, I, I there is there is at least one fruit that I believe is native at least as south as you are. It is not quite as far to the west and north as I am currently in Minneapolis. It is also in Michigan where I was introduced to it called the paw.
1: Oh, never heard of it. Tasty. I would lo-
0: yes, it, it's like a mango in flavor. It's weird. It is a native. It is a fruit native to the Americas. It is interesting. So I would love to ferment one. I have no idea. I first had it in gelato at Zinnerman's in Ann Arbor.
1: Papaw juice online.
0: <laughs> so it is hard to process, but it is that would be my first challenge to you if you can find and, and ferment pawpaw. That's going to be interesting.
1: Not the easiest thing to find. I'm trying to find it online. And the internet seems to think I'm talking about papaya. <laughs> so uh, there's that.
0: So we'll look into it more. But there's a challenge. Uh, Wait, don't worry. I'll have plenty for you. Mostly from my successes as homebrewing experiments.
1: Well, if you've got a supplier for that pawpaw juice, let me know. Because it sounds rad. I wish. I um, love mangoes.
0: Oh, I used to live well, in Florida.
1: And there is, there are genuinely few things more enjoyable to eat than picking a fresh mango off the tree. Actually, they fell off the tree when they got ripe, so we actually picked them off the ground. Occasionally, had to fight an iguana.
0: <laughs> Not a joke. <laughs> I, I, I believe you.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: I haven't had to fight any moose here for apples.
1: That's a nice benefit to not having iguanas <laughs> around. But they will fight you on the fruit sometimes. But picking a mango off the ground, just cut the top off and you can peel it. Like like the easiest clementine you've ever oh, grabbed. Those cuties good. or whatever. Skin comes right off and just holding it in your hands, dripping juice and biting into it ah, oh, it's like sunshine in your mouth it is fantastic
0: oh 10 that out of 10. sounds good oh, that so sounds good. really good
1: coming up on mango season it's my first i guess technically it's my second since leaving florida and man i don't miss florida summers i do miss <laughs> florida mangoes
0: yeah i can imagine I, I wouldn't want the summers there either
1: oh no Or the Hurricanes.
0: Do you have anything you want to plug as we're getting towards the end of today?
1: Yeah, check out our Instagram account that I don't think we've put anything up on yet. Not, but
0: there there will be a uh, post about this episode.
1: Yeah, I have an Instagram account that I almost never use. So if you want to see some bakes that I made a year ago, (laughs) you can see Alison Blatibus on Instagram. But yeah, I'm really bad about posting. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, if you want to see uh, the podcast where hopefully we'll post both updates about the podcast and some of our brews you can find us at jewish fermentation podcast on instagram also on instagram if you're interested in photography my photography instagram is evan harris photography uh, and i am also co-host on the stationary orbit podcast which is about fountain pens stationery, and the mail we have a new episode of there every two weeks as well i have ho- many hobbies <laughs>
1: I have many yeah. hobbies, too, but most of them involve m- making food and trying to find other people to eat them.
0: Yeah, a little also harder in the last year.
1: Yeah, a lot harder.
0: A go get vac- Everyone, go get vaccinated.
1: I made three batches of cookies over oh. Shavuot. What oh. am I supposed to do with three <laughs> batches of cookies, Evan? I handmade made macarons. I handmade <laughs> French me. macarons like an idiot.
0: Don't worry, I have a lot of egg white <laughs> in my freezer. I might be following behind you.
1: Evan, for the love of God, use a hand mixer.
0: Oh, I have a stand mixer.
1: Oh, even better. <laughs> Just do it. Don't do as I did. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, I would not be tempted mm. without a stand sir.:
1: It would clog.
0: <laughs> oh, so. no, true. Uh, yeah, but before we get on even more unrelated <laughs> tangents, thank you very much for listening. This, has been the, this podcast has been brought to you by Evan Harris and Allison Shea with uh, special editing help from John West of Stationary Orbit. You can find the podcast, the Jewish Fermentation Podcast, on Instagram. Thank you very much. Hope to see you next uh, time.
1: Happy brewing.